This is the bullpen on 1027 ESPN with Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins. Opinions are welcome at 512-834-1027. I'm fired up for our fans. You know, everybody is so excited about, you know, Fox being here and, and them bringing their whole crew and ESPN college game day coming and you know, as coaches and players, we don't get to experience that stuff. Um, we're at the hotel and we're riding the bus and we're warming up for the game, but fired up for our fans. What an awesome experience to, to, to have all of that here. I know this, they're going to have an impact on the game and we need our fans to be loud. We need our fans to be energetic. We need our fans to be raucous. We need our student section rolling. This is, you know, we need all 102,000 people, and if CDC can squeeze any more in there, we'll take them because we need we need this environment to be what it's capable of being. We've got a great home field advantage. We know it's going to be hot. We know it's an early kick, but we also know that our fans are going to show up, and they're going to show up ready to roll, and, and we're going to need them. Oh, yeah. That's the message there to you, the fans, from uh, Longhorn head coach Steve Sarkeesian. Welcome. Ahead of tomorrow's big, 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 big game against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Is it a big game tomorrow? And by the way, welcome to the bullpen this Friday edition. I am Patrick Osborne, and he is Brandon Elkins. I heard it was exciting, but... With you here for the next hour. What Heard what's exciting? Tomorrow's game? Yeah. I heard, I heard it was okay. There's going to be a couple people in town yeah, for it. There might be a few people. You know, no big deal. Uh, 200,000 or so just around the stadium, <laughs> in and around. No big deal. That's going to be insanity no big deal now i'm pretty excited to not be involved in it at all yeah i, I think i'm excited that, uh, to watch it from home early in the morning i am going to do my part uh to uh reduce congestion around the city of austin by uh not going anywhere thank that, you that is the plan but i'm gonna watch the game nevertheless actually i'm probably gonna be out with the i don't know a buddy or two that i grew up without in lake travis maybe catch the game somewhere out to go bar. To a bar have a bite to eat yeah have a couple couple pints at the bar at the bar yeah love it yeah Warm up, uh, warm up a bar stool, a pub stool. Uh, so Norm! We are, we're officially hours away now from the, 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 the kickoff at DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium. Uh, your Texas Longhorns hosting right. Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, uh, if you are wanting to go to the game and you haven't, gone, uh, haven't gotten your tickets yet, they're, they're getting more expensive by the minute, pretty much. That makes sense. <laughs> I believe that. Earlier this morning, uh, the cheapest tickets that you could find on Ticket City. 187 bucks for upper deck seats. That doesn't seem that bad. Uh, that's before all the fees and taxes and all that. That's so you're true. about 247 yeah. bucks after all that for upper deck for seats. For one ticket. For one ticket. For one per, ticket. Uh, now, 2,500 bucks is uh, what you're going to be paying for for a little, you know, premium seating. Mm-hmm. A little bit better seats there. So if you got deep pockets, you said how much? 2,500. $2,500. 2500k So we're talking still semi-nosebleed, but not quite close to the field. Still $2,500. Uh, let's see here. Uh, normally, uh, let's see. I, it, these are supposed to be some of the best seats uh, that are still okay. available okay. On, on the marketplace. I can see that, especially being so close to the game now. Now, keep in mind, typically these are seats that are about 300 bucks, and they're 2500 bucks. Again, I get it. It's just how it is. Yeah, so uh, I don't know uh, if, if you've got deep pockets. I certainly don't. I've been in radio 16 years, so I, I, Do you can't, know me? I can't afford much. <laughs> <laughs> we work in the same place, man. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, 100,000 people expected to pack just into the stadium. Uh, and, you know, you think of ticket prices, you're probably going to make a, a couple of dollars. Uh, uh, a little bit. Yeah, I'd say they're, they're going to be okay for this. If they had just this one big game the rest of the year, they'd make enough money for the rest of the season. I think you're regardless. probably right. So it's going to be okay. Right. Uh, so, uh, of course, uh, lots, lots, uh, lots of festivities tomorrow expected around campus. Uh, two live pregame shows, of course. Uh, the College Game Day, ESPN, of course, Fox's big noon kickoff. Uh, the ESPN College Game Day, if you're wanting to attend this on the 40 Acres tomorrow, you certainly can. You can get there at 4 a.m. Have fun with that. Once again, you won't see me there. Nope. But uh, I'll, be, uh, I'll, be, I'll be with you there in spirit while I'm staring at the back of my eyelids. I was going to say, yeah, I'm going to be sleeping at 4 a.m. Actually, I won't. I, I take that back. I'm never asleep at 4 a.m. You're up at 3.30 I, I anyway. I, w- I have to be up at 3 at the very latest for my dog and her insulin. Oh, PB. Because I love my dog. Oh, PB. Uh, so anyway, uh, lots, lots, uh, lots of excitement, though. Uh, maybe some tickets available a few hours out from kickoff. But, I mean, you know, expect that even the, the – 
the quote unquote worst of seats to probably yeah. cost you close to upwards of four hundred bucks. You either got to know someone, or you're going to be paying your mortgage times three. Yes, yes. So have fun. So uh, high profile non conference matchup coming up tomorrow. Kickoff is at eleven o'clock, and I actually went. Uh, I got curious, and I thought, all right. So what? What is some of the Alabama media saying about this game? Mm-hmm. You know, because we talk a lot about what we say, but. I want to know what the tide was thinking. Yeah. So I found this thing. How seriously are they taking this game? Right. <laughs> Probably not as seriously as we are. To them, uh, it's just an are. unranked opponent. Well, maybe they should. I mean, Nick Saban obviously has a little bit more to it. You well, know. Underestimation is, uh, is a hell of a thing. Amen. Uh, so this is a Roll Tide Wire has thrown together uh, what they call some, uh, some of the most important facts that every Alabama football fan should know leading into this contest. And they lead off with the fact that Quinn Ewers making his first start in a big game as, as QB. And that is true. He made his first start, of course, last week. Pretty good, pretty great showing. Look, honest, but this is the this. I, I, it's probably not going to get any bigger for him than this game all season. Right, but for a while, for, for probably most of the season, I mean, every game's going to be a big game for him because he's never start, started a college. He's now only started one college game. I kind of feel like it would be all downhill after this. I mean, you know, I hope you show not. up, you show up good. No, I mean, I mean, in oh, terms for, of you know any nerves or, sure. or whatnot that he might have starting a big game like all. this because it's sure. not going to get any bigger than this unless they maybe go to the national championship. He claims he wasn't nervous at all last week. That's so. what he said. Yeah. Uh, he looked a little nervous on his first throw, second and then throw. After, or second throw. I mean, and then and then after that, sort of uh, you know leaned into the wind and enjoyed it again. Like I speculate, like we speculated last week or earlier this week. I think that probably helped him that he mm-hmm. got it out of the way early. Mm-hmm. So, and it showed because he. He killed it the rest of the game. Yeah, he certainly did. Uh, so Roll Tide Wire also pointing out that uh, Texas has a few issues along the offensive line. I mean, they, they say that uh, all, against a lower-tier program like Louisiana Monroe, the offensive line surrendered three sacks, five tackles for a loss. So there's that. Uh, they also note that Texas has former of plenty Alabama players. Right? Yeah. Uh, the three former members of the Tide, uh, running back Keelan Robinson, tight end Jaleel Billingsley, and uh, wide receiver Ajay Hall. Now, who was recently reinstated? Reinstated, and of course, as we mentioned yesterday too, Jaleel Billingsley is also uh, under a, an NCAA suspension for yeah, something got, that happened while he was with Alabama. So he's got five more games left, right? Uh, but they also point out that history leans in favor of the Longhorns when it comes to the matchups between UT and, and Alabama, as Texas has owned the series with the Crimson Tide seven-one advantage there. Uh, Alabama's lone win coming in the BCS championship, yeah. January of twenty ten. But we're talking. We have to go all the way back to the 20s, right. the early 20s. Doesn't change the facts, my friend. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, I suppose, you know, we're going back 100 years. Literally, 100 years ago was the last time they played well, in a regular season That game. doesn't count? It, was, a game, it counts, was a game played? It, it counts in that century. It doesn't played. count in this century. If the game was played, it counts. I understand that, but... You can't claim that they have dominance when it was literally a hundred years ago. Sure, you can. Stop it. Watch this. I'm going to do it, it right now. Seven and one, just claim dominance. Turn my mic off. Don't tell me I can't. Uh, and then uh, last on this list, Sark says the game doesn't yeah. matter. Now he didn't really say that. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of how they put it. He really actually said more along the lines of, uh, "Here's his quote: My goal is to be in Dallas on December 3rd, so this game has no impact." And to that, I agree. It but under his breath, impact. he said, "My goal is to beat the crap out of my former mentor because." I want to keep that up. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, a man who uh, uh, Sark has said uh, he has learned a, a whole, whole lot from. Saved his career. Nick Saban. Saved my career. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and, and Sark has, you know, gone on record talking about, uh, you know, personal battles, say, with alcohol and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, his relationship, he, he's credited with Nick Saban for even turning that stuff around. So, I mean, he's, he's got the utmost respect for Saban. He was the first to hire him. Yeah. And hire I think Saban, I think it's reciprocated. I think Saban oh, feels Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's why this game is bigger than they're making it out to be because they have such a good relationship, you know, mm-hmm. that they don't want to lose to each other. Right. They want to have the upper hand. Right. So right. it will be interesting. This could be, if if anything, this could be Sark's greatest coaching game of all time if he, if he wins this game. Oh, man. Can Just imagine? imagine. Just imagine. It would be, hands down, one of the greatest coaching game, coached games of all time, because that's the only way you're going to beat him. Yeah, because Saban's going to be ready for everything. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, they can say they've game planned three months ago. Sure, maybe a little bit, but I'm sure they've updated it since plenty of times. I'm sure they've updated it just over the past 24 hours. They will up until exactly. probably game time. Yeah, yeah. You know, pre-game uh, adjustments, in-game it's adjustments, all that's going to be important. Mm-hmm. So, what is Texas going to have to do to actually hurt Alabama? 
You got any ideas here what, what they're going to need to, you know, kind of They're going to have to run the ball. On. Yeah. They're going to have to run the ball uh, efficiently because that's their bread and butter for Alabama is their run the run defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all that will do is uh, set up the pass, take a couple shots. I mean, you're only going to get a few. So, and you're not they're not going to be able to let you they're either going to make you dink and duck the whole game, which is not going to go well, or they'll give you a couple open looks, and definitely I think the run game is going to be the biggest factor. Now, how game. do you think Bijan Robinson's going to handle this absolutely terrifying pass rush? Uh, you know, I mean, you know, because last week... You think Mr. Lambeau's afraid of anybody? <laughs> give me a break. He's a Heisman hopeful. If he, wants, if he wants a chance at the Heisman, he's got to show out for this game, and I think he's going to do everything he can. It may not matter because, like I said, Bama's defensive line is unreal. Mm-hmm. So, but man, if they get a few open looks, build that confidence. You're going to make uh, Alabama question themselves. You got a shot. He had 7.1 yards per carry last week. That's really good. I don't think we'll see that this week. No, N- but if he all. can be f- four and a half, five, I think you got I think that means you got a shot to win the game. So we're going to learn a lot about Quinn Ewers tomorrow, I think, and and the Horns' capabilities in the Big 12 race overall, Bama's defensive ceiling. Uh, I mean, we're going to learn about a lot of things when uh, when the Texas has the ball. Uh, took a couple of years and some plot twists, but Ewers' long-awaited debut as a starting quarterback. You know, plot twist. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was a bit of one. No, yeah. But you yeah. can argue, it's I mean, good. it was a very successful start yeah. to his career here. Yep. 16 for 24, 225 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, sack, uh, 52-10 win over ULM last week. You're not going to learn a lot from a game like that. You're going to learn from this kind of game. I mean, that it certainly helps that he had a game like that because everyone was unsure how he was going to show up for his first game because he's only had two handoffs in mm-hmm. his entire college career mm-hmm. up to that point. Right. And to, and to have that kind of game, I think, is very encouraging. Now, keep in mind, he did most of his damage this past weekend on very short horizontal passes. He went 7-for-7 seven seven on passes thrown at or behind the line of scrimmage. Right? Okay. 8-for-9. For 107 yards on passes thrown short and to the left. A few of those passes went to tight end Jatavion Sanders. Uh, he lined up just about everywhere. Uh, he went 4 for 10 on passes thrown more than 10 yards downfield. All right? And then 0 for 3 over 20 yards. Now, that's going to be, I think, that's going to play into play into this game tomorrow. Sure. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're just going to have to, we're going to have to keep in mind. Also, you know, the, I mean, the Longhorns weren't facing guys like, Will Anderson Jr. and Dallas Turner and the rest of the Bama pass rush last mm-hmm. week. So Cures, uh, Ewers is going to feel, I think he's going to feel the uh, Cures. Cures. One. I like that. Cures. <laughs> I think he's going to feel the uh, the pressure. And here see, that's bit. why I think they need to establish the run early because it takes a little yeah. bit of the pressure off of him. Right. Not And, you know, he may may help him from not panicking if things get a little too out of control. And that's kind of where that long roundabout was was getting at, you know, is that, you know, you talked about Bijan, and, and he's going to have to show up. Yeah, uh, and I think I think he knows I that think that's going to be very important when you look at you know some of the struggles that Ewers had farther down the field. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, Bama's defense is—it's uh, ridiculous, rough. But look, they're just kids too. So keep in mind also that Nick Saban has this weird, uncanny ability of force, forcing college quarterbacks to make throws that college quarterbacks typically can't make. Mm-hmm. So. Um, he, that, could, he could put yours into a bit of a pickle with, with, with some of his coaching hey, tomorrow. That's also why some of Saban's quarterbacks are in the NFL right now. That is true. So That is true. Uh, speaking of Nick Saban, I thought this was kind of funny. Um, for, for most of my life, I, I've just you – know, the horns down gesture was just a thing. That was uh-huh. just part of it. That was part of playing, you know, being a Longhorn fan. Right. Uh, of course, nowadays it's a penalty, somewhat of a controversial topic. In college football in recent years. I personally think it's think absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that's silly. And you find me one Longhorn fan who actually cares. I haven't about, found one yet, man. Nor have I. Yeah. Nor have I. Now, the Big 12 has made this a taunting penalty uh, to display the horns down gesture. It results in a 15-yard penalty. Um, I, it's just it's a little excessive. A little bit. Uh, but when asked about this horns down gesture by, uh, you know, what Nick Saban thought about it. I have not addressed it with the team, but I appreciate you letting me know that. So... You know, we got a lot of other things we need to really worry about. But I think that's a good thing for me to go over with the team, so I appreciate that. He, he prefaced that whole that whole comment by, by asking, what's that? He had no idea what, what Horns Down even was. Let me tell you, when I was recording this, uh, this press conference, it sounds as boring as you think. It look, it, and it looked as boring as it sounds. Like, it was just... 
like half the half the uh, the the sound was only working on one channel. Like he was just all he was doing was just kind of leaning on his elbows on the on the podium and looking down. Didn't really make eye contact with anyone. It was ridiculous. Was it ridiculous? Well, you know he's he's a he's a man of few words. Very Nick very few words. And I appreciate that. Makes quick interviews. It was a it was a six minute press conference. And uh, in fact, in his wildly creative named radio show. Uh, he actually addresses uh, some some rumors in years past that he was going to come here to Texas. Oh, so we'll have more on that. A little Wait, bit more. What's his name? What's the name of his show? Uh, how about we'll get to that? Okay. All right. We're teasing. Yeah, My we're bad. teasing. We're teasing. My bad. But we're I teasing. will tell you, it is wildly creative. <laughs> You're not going to believe what Nick Saban named his his uh, his radio show. More on that. A little bit more on the uh, Longhorn Alabama game coming up, and also these Buffalo Bills. Every Pretty bit good. as good as we thought they were. Pretty good. That and more on the way here on the bullpen. The bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. You got that right. Friday edition of the bullpen. Friday, Hallelujah. 1027 ESPN. Brandon Elkins, Patrick Osborne. With What's you. happening? Talk a little uh, Longhorn Alabama game coming up. I don't know. I think it's tomorrow. Is that when it is tomorrow? I heard. I'll where, be. I don't know. I'll be in bed. I don't really care. Where, where are they playing again? <laughs> just uh, DKR Texas this, Memorial. It's not at the Cotton Bowl. Oh, okay. Hell no. It's Austin, <laughs> baby. No. Uh, so Bama's in town. You know, uh, during the last few years of Mac Brown's tenure as the head coach uh, in 2012-2013, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of talk about the possibility of Nick Saban eventually replacing him. Mm. So Brown resigned in 2013, and we got Charlie Strong. <laughs> uh, Bummer. Big difference. <laughs> Big difference. Now, Saban downplayed the Texas rumors again this week ahead of his team's trip to Austin. On his unbelievably named Hey Coach Nick Saban radio show. I'm sorry, what? Uh, hey Coach Nick Saban. Hey Coach Nick Saban obviously, is the name of his radio yes, show. Hey Coach Nick Saban. Now, That's, obviously. Uh, uh, creative, you really downplayed the cleverness of that title, my friend. Creative outside the box thinking uh, in, in terms of radio shows. Not a prerequisite to be the head coach of uh, Alabama. But uh, he acknowledged he was never going to consider taking the job here. Oh, whatever. Ever. He whatever. was always going to opt to stay in Alabama. Please. He says, uh, there was nothing to be concerned about. You can blame your colleagues on that because they created that. I never talked to these people. He's talking to uh, uh, Michael Casagrande of AL.com. He says, uh, Mac Brown was a good friend of mine, somebody that I have tremendous amount of respect for, and he's the coach there, and anybody can talk about me going to, and take his place. But I don't think it's fair to me, especially when I never even talked to them and I wasn't interested in the first place. I don't believe you, Saban. Why would he have been, He was coming off back-to-back national championships. I mean, money. he stumbled a little bit against Auburn in that uh, kick-six victory in the Iron Bowl. Texas has more money than Alabama. Just going to throw that out there. So? So they can throw more money at him. He's got a... Uh, no. uh, Alabama he would ha- I mean, Alabama would find a way. Mm. They'd find a way. Okay. And I'd be honest with you. I understand the money is probably could be better. But if I'm a head coach and I want wins, I'm not coming along to, to UT over Alabama. There's a certain thing not about right uh, being able to take a program that was uh, e- decent or good or down and making them even better. So now you're not lying, not not at all. That's very incentivizing. I have a feeling that's also very incentivizing for head coaches, especially when they pay you more. Could be, could be. Uh, so uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, Nick Saban not never was interested in coming to. Uh, Coming to UT. Okay. For, for those of you, if you say so, for those coach. of you who have been wondering for the past ten years, now yeah. you know. Now you know. Same uh, with Urban Meyer. One last little bit here on uh, college football. Uh, we, uh, as you as you know, Lee Corso, college game day. He will be here. He will be here. Yep. He'll be loud and uh, he'll be throwing on mascot helm mascot uh, masks. And so, uh, this uh, let's see here. What's this guy's name? Uh, Cole Reagan with the website GameDayCold.com. He actually put together the accuracy of Corso's predictions. <laughs> uh, apparently, he's got an overall accuracy rate of 66.4%. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, pretty good yeah. for all the picks he's done. He's made headgear selections in 17 games that Texas has played. He's been uh, right just under 53% of the time. And of those 17, he picked the Longhorns to win 12 times. Uh, 70% of the time, uh, he was right. Wow. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, he was accurate at fifty eight point three percent of the time. Okay, anyway, that's not as good. Don't, don't expect him to <laughs> expect the elephant. Expect an yeah, elephant head tomorrow. Yeah, Do I not would. expect the uh, the Bevo head. All that wouldn't that be amazing? Look, we're all realistic to the fact that Alabama's the best team in in college football, and it's going to be tough. But 
There's always a chance. Very, very there's, true, my there's, friend. There's always a very, chance. Very, very true. Uh, so uh, speaking of the best team in the league, mm. the Buffalo Bills right now yes. are making the case that that's who they are. They sure are. Uh, L.A. Rams coach Sean McVay calling last night's three-touchdown season open and loss to the Bills a, quote, humbling experience, as it should be. They did not look good. They looked horrible. At all. They looked horrible. And I've been trying to preach that all offseason, but nobody believed me. Even early in the game when it was still kind of close, uh, it, they still look bad. Yeah. And then Buffalo just, just open it wide. A lot of interceptions. Open game. it wide. That was surprising. Uh, I as, was not surprised by the score as much. I called it more of a low-scoring low game. I thought it was going to be 24-10 or 17. It was pretty close to that. 31-10. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it was, um, as, as quarterback Jalen Ramsey summed it up last night, he said, quote, we got our ass beat straight up. End Amen. Quote. End quote. You love to hear it from him, too. Uh, Bill's offense finished 9 for 10 on third down. Tied for second best mark in the past 30 years by any team in a single game. Ouch. Uh, never had to punt a whole game. Really? Punt. I did not notice no. that. Uh, and then, of course, Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford. There was a lot of concern about his arm. I didn't see much issue with it last yeah. night. However, dude got sacked seven times. Yeah, he did. So he had to feel it a little. You know he felt that. Yeah. I'm sure they were, even even if they were going for his legs. I'm sure they kind of punched at his elbow, too. I would. Yeah, absolutely. I would, absolutely. Go for you guys' weakness. 29-41, he went 240 yards with a touchdown and three interceptions. Um, sacked seven times. Said uh, sometimes, sometimes they actually had to use the silent snap. In uh, their own stadium. In their own stadium about because that? it was so damn loud. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the, the Bills fans had a pretty good showing there at SoFi last night. Who wouldn't? They're in L.A. Yeah. Are you kidding me? First game of the season? Who yeah. wouldn't want to go? Uh, so... Uh, I think I mean, and here's an interesting bit too. It it, it looks like uh, Sean McVay is gonna so he's gonna enter next week 0 and one. It'll be the first time his entire career his team's under 500 entering a game. He'll be fine. And now I granted he'll be fine. It's not. It's kind of stupid when you, I mean it's just one game. Yeah, you know. But still, that's something to be said. I mean, you know, you've I had guess. you've had a pretty good career so far. If this is the first time that you're under 500 and it's only one game you've lost, mm-hmm. you're still the defending Super Bowl champs. You're gonna be fine. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna be they, fine. They and they are. They just. They ran into a buzzsaw last night. Mm-hmm. We don't know if the Bills are going to – the Bills probably won't play like that all year. I mean, we know Josh Allen doesn't want to throw two interceptions per game every every game. But, I mean, if you're throwing three touchdowns ahead of it, it's it's not the end of the world, I guess. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Josh Allen. I mean, he helped – he was part of that absolute demolition of the Rams last night. He looked even bigger and stronger than he has uh, in previous team. years. appreciated him as well. Um, oh, he's on your fantasy oh, team. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had him, Cooper Cup, and the Rams defense last night, and they all outperformed. Yeah, Cooper Cup. It let's see wonderful. here. Uh, Cooper Cup had uh, Eastern Washington native. What up? That's right. That's right. He's, he I, went to Cheney. I went to school at Eastern yes, sir. Washington. Yeah, I did. You, you are both our alma maters. Yeah, Eastern How about Washington that? Eagles. Yeah. Back when I was there, though, uh, there was nobody there. I still remember the quarterback's name, Fred Salanoa. Mm. Nobody's ever heard of that guy. Was the field red uh, back then? The field was red back awesome. then. Yeah. 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 Uh, but Cooper Cup, he accounted for more than half the Rams receiving yards last night. 13 passes, 128 yards, and a touchdown. It's pretty good. Yeah. He's pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, Still Allen, can't believe he never had a single college offer. He, he did? Until Eastern took him. Well. Crazy. You know, Cheney was an okay town. Swing and a miss. I'm sure it's very different now than the 20-some-odd years ago when I was there. I doubt it. <laughs> I highly doubt it. Actually, you know what? You're probably right. They like time. to live in the past, kind of my stuck friends. In the you know that. There. Yeah. Uh, now, we mentioned Jalen Ramsey talking about how he says they got their ass beat, and they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are, are hearkening back to comments he made in 2018 about Josh Allen. Now, I don't know if this is really what – this is a problem with social media nowadays. You could say something, you know, 20 years ago. And somebody, some kid, is going to go dig it up and then make a big deal out of it. Uh, it's called accountability. It's not necessarily because, all right. <laughs> it's not? Well, no, not, no, not, not in this situation, okay. I don't think. Uh, because, because I think, so the initial quote was, I think Josh Allen, Josh Allen's trash. I don't care what nobody says, he's trash. I mean, And it's going to show, too. That's a stupid draft pick to me. He said that in 2018. Okay? Look, he could say what he wants. Now, to be fair, he, uh, he was far from the only qu- person questioning Buffalo's choice. But uh, he has, has since sort of walked back some of those comments and uh, has actually praised him. Uh, he, he's calling him uh, very talented. In fact, this was in 2020. Uh, he said that uh, he's, uh, he, he presents a lot of challenges. He's very, chal- uh, very talented every week. Uh, the, you know, this guy is, is finding new ways to mm-hmm. overcome these challenges. So he walked back those comments. I would too. So to that degree, I, I feel like he's already sort of accounted for his accountability, if, as it were. 
Uh, but he, he got all the accountability he needed last night, too. But this is not stopping the 2018 <laughs> comment from popping back up uh, after Allen and, and uh, Buffalo's statement win mm-hmm. over Ramsey and the Rams. It was a good one. So it's a good name to I have. I thoroughly enjoyed that beatdown. I did, great. too. Yeah, I've never wonderful. been a Rams fan. I was not yeah. a fan in, in St. Louis. Nope. I mean, I, I just, I, I, I'm not a Rams guy. Nope. Hard pass. Thank yeah. you, though. Hard I appreciate it, indeed. but I'm good. Now, as we also mentioned yesterday, Odell Beckham Jr. had said, all right, well, whoever wins that game between the Bills and the Rams, that's who I'm going to go with. I'm sorry. I don't like him. He's he's not. I can't, I can't stand this guy. Yeah, I'm not a fan What a either. stupid thing to do. Well, and he's clearly. And it got everyone excited because everyone lives in, off his every word for some reason. Right. So, free agent receiver, uh, certainly in no hurry to make a decision here. And he half joked that he'd sign with whoever won last night, right? Yeah. But then after the game, he said, my heart's with the Rams. Oh, my God. They show me what, what the NFL is supposed to be like. Ring. Then just go sign with them. Shut up. I know, right? Just like, I, Shut up. Stop playing around. Yeah. Stop being a, you know. A, a, Nobody a, cares that much about you anymore. Well, that's the thing. Nobody does. You're right. I think a lot of people forgot he's even around. I, I, for, I mean, he's, I, just, he's just sitting around doing nothing. I just assumed he retired because there was no talk of him all offseason. I mean, certainly and he's he got didn't the really team. do that great last season. So. Uh, What's the big advantage of bringing him over? So they haven't officially put him on the team, but they've maintained a locker with his name on it. They've allowed him to pre- participate in the pregame Super Bowl celebration. They've essentially expanded their roster to 54 is what they've done with this guy. Wow. Uh, and after the game, last night, Matthew Stafford referred to him as a great teammate of mine. He said it in the present, not the past tense. So they're, uh, they're weird over there. It's like, just sign the guy. Yeah. But he, he even yeah. tweeted about the Bills when they were he- when they first took the lead against them, mm-hmm. like Bills question mark. Yeah, just he's just he's just looking for attention. Yeah, he still has the advantage though of time and flexibility. You know, the problem he can, is he, he can still sign gets with anybody. It. Yeah. yeah. What would you say? And the problem is he still gets the attention. He does. He craves. Listen so. to what we're doing right now. We're giving it to him. Well, like we have to, but we don't have to talk about it all all show. No, we don't. Most people will, will take an entire episode or a segment about it. In fact, let's do it Our like best. this. Ooh. Rams have the clear edge until he signs a contract. End of story. Did you did you make it? Yeah. Did you make it in the trash? Oh, I don't know where it is. Oh. It's right behind you. Yeah, you totally whipped. Hang on. I, I got it. Kobe! Nope. Not even close. No, you're more like Shaq from the foul line. On that <laughs> Pretty <one>. much, yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, also in the NFL, uh, you know, Cowboys are going to kick off their season uh, this uh, Sunday evening against... Tempe Buccaneers and that old guy, Talon Brady. It's going to be a fun game. It will I can't be. can't wait. It will be. I'm excited. Uh, Dak Presta, Prescott limited in practice yesterday with a right ankle issue. And he says he blames it on uh, trying a different style of cleats. Now, I, I don't know. Uh, sure. I've seen, I've, you know, I've seen this guy hurt his ankle before. You know? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if I fully too. trust it. I, I, but, uh, you know, Dak's pretty confident about it, or at least he says so. I didn't necessarily. I was limited today, but... As I said, it is my ankle, but it is just being very, very precautious. Switch shoes today probably wasn't the best idea, so there we go. So we're good to go. Promise that. So there you go. Cleats. He blames on cleats. Same ankle that was surgically repaired, though, after that gruesome injury in 2020 that ended his whole season in week five. I mean, be smarter than that, Dak. You say you you change your cleats every single game, so if if they're not wearing those in for you, they're going to be stiff, and that's going to – that could really potentially put your ankle at risk of injury. Yeah. Again. And then you say so you, you already of, he already injured it right. again. So you think of that injury, and and he hurt his what? He hurt his shoulder last year mm-hmm. in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, although he still looked great in the opener. But you got to wonder. It's like all right, well, is he falling? Can falling, he stay healthy all he year? Falling apart a little bit. He might be falling apart. Falling apart. <laughs> uh, but uh, of course the, um, I mean, Dak says he's you know, he's pretty. Rip roaring and ready to go for Sunday. Honestly, I feel great. Something may come up in the report, but as you know, that's this league, and if you don't report a hangnail, you'll get suspended or you'll have, or they'll get fined. Excuse me. So, but no, I feel great. Still feel the best that, uh, that I felt in a very, very long time. Not even comparable to where I was last year going into this game. So, uh, honestly, just excited, ready, ready for uh, Sunday to get there. So, when it comes to you know comparable to last year, you know, I mean, he'll be up against uh, the Buccaneers defense. I mean, just honestly missing a couple of players up front. I'm not having Sue and JPP, but other than that, I mean, schematically, I feel like they're going to be the same. Uh, obviously, you got Todd Bowles, who's now the head coach, but who said he's calling the plays, who did it last year for him, knowing his mentality, knowing just the team that he, the, the defense and the team that he uh, always coaches, their culture, their aggressiveness. Yeah, pretty pretty confident in our preparation and what we're going to see from these guys. So I want to believe him that he's healthy, but I don't. I do too. I don't, I don't believe him at all. I'm with you. I, I want to believe it, yeah, and I don't. 
I think he re-aggravated that injury. I would be surprised if it wasn't heavily taped mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday night, but I really don't think it's fully healthy. Uh, so but he didn't even throw a single snap in the preseason. Right. Now here's Coach Mike, uh, head coach Mike McCarthy on deck. You know he's going to be a full full participant today. You know I anticipate he'll be the same tomorrow. So I, I don't I, I don't have any concern about him playing Sunday. So I mean I, there you go. Look, they have to say that standard standard answer. And look, he's on the injury report, and they can downplay it all they want. But I mean, if it's if it's worse than what if it's what we think it is, I mean it's going to show up on on Sunday night, and it may be ugly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I. Uh... I mean, I want to go with the Cowboys, but this I'm, team I'm won't taking... be successful without him. So they need Absolutely to get him not. right, and they may be pushing him out there because they know that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I want to believe he's healthy, uh, but he, he I really is the don't linchpin know. of that that whole offense. Yeah, right yeah. Uh, we'll on the see. way, on the way, coming up here on the bullpen, we do head back to the bullpen in Major League Baseball, and a significant. Some significant changes to rules. You and your segues, man, they're phenomenal. I cannot. St- I thank you. I appreciate that. I've, I've worked very hard over a You're decade. You're very and good a half at that. To, yes, to you've done craft. You've done well. Uh, I'm not a big fan of a lot of these rule changes, um, and Brandon is. Ah, uh, whoa! Putting words in my mouth here. Yeah, you're right. But we'll talk about it. We will. That more here in the bullpen. Bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. Welcome back to the Bullpen. It's Friday afternoon, 1027 ESPN. Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins with you. Hello. So, some rule changes approved today for Major League Baseball. And allegedly, I like all of them. Well, I didn't say all of them. I just said you like them. I, There's one at least I know you like. When you, you say like. you like, like them, it sounds like you're saying I like all of them. So how dare you put words in my Semantics. mouth. <laughs> so, Major League Baseball passing a sweeping set of rule changes today in hopes of fundamentally overhauling the game. Now, first, I would argue we don't need to fundamentally overhaul the game. Nope. Not fundamentally. But they voted today to implement a pitch clock. They're banning the defensive shift next year. And uh, all, of, all this is trying to uh, hasten the game's pace and increase action. Now, not only that, they're also looking uh, at, uh, let's see, the shift, the pitch clock. Uh, they're, they're, cha- they're making changes to pickoffs. And, and the movements, the disengagement from the mound or from the oh rubber, so to God. speak. They're going to have to think. You're making the pitchers think too much. Yeah, yeah. And bigger bases. Now, I'm going to start there, all right, because yeah. this is one that I know that you support. I do. And uh, yes. I'm gonna, uh, I'll am gonna. i tell you the, the biggest reason. I, I mean, I've joked and I, I made some jokes in the newsroom earlier, but the big reason that I, I don't like this idea is because when you think about historically baseball, there have been some, I mean, just – plays that have changed the, the course of an entire game that, that have been called a, a, just an absolute split-second difference between the time that the ball hit the, hit, the, hit the mitt and the player touched the base. You could argue that 90 feet has been the absolute perfect distance since the game's inception and that by extending it by a couple of inches or reducing it by a couple of inches could completely have changed the, out, the outcome of so many games that really came down to an absolute hair you know uh, so i mean ball base or base ball either way you see what i'm saying are you just specifically talking about first base no well i'm talking about first base to some degree but 90 but feet, why do you think that would change they're not changing the the length they're only changing the size of they're they're increasing the the base size right from 15 to 18 inches. Right. So it's just going to expand like they do, like, you know, how they have in softball where they have two bases back-to-back. It's just going to look like that. I mean, it's it's going to be the same length. So you talk, it's, so it's the, only the, width? It, it's Yeah, it's only width that's going to change. All right, well, then I was wrong here. But I was reading this wrong the whole time. I saw this as just an 18-inch, basically, the entire diameter of it. I, I'm pretty sure, because I'm pretty sure I saw this in that Sugarland game where the bases were... The the only I feel like the biggest difference one that I noticed was second base. It was more angled with how yeah. you know the 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 infield curves over there. It kind of does that too. It kind of almost looks like a like half a square or something. I, I don't know. I don't Why know. is it that we need to do this now? Uh, throughout the history of the game, this hasn't been an issue, and all of a sudden with this new generation of players, it is because at least at first base you have the opportunity to not be anywhere near the ankles or. That, that you have a lesser chance of a collision 
when uh, there's a close play at first. And it's, I mean, it, it's really easy just for the runner to just go right a little bit. And and I've seen it in other games where d- guys will collide ankles. I know what happens. Because they're trying to reach and, the, you know. And, I know what and happens. The, the first baseman's trying to find his But it's so footing. infrequent. It's so, it's happened so infrequently. Injuries and collisions like that. You well, know. frequently or not, it, it'll, it'll pretty much be non-existent then. And we won't have to worry about ankle injuries as much. They'll find a way. And also, all you got to do is trip on something. You've hurt your ankle. Also, close plays at second will be, I think that'll be the biggest difference because of again how they they're going to angle second base, so they'll, maybe there'll be less close plays, but there'll be more opportunity for stealing. Mm. So then a little more action that way. Yeah, MLB says they don't think that this change is going to lead teams to not be able to control the run game. I think this is probably my only. The only new rule change I like. That's the one you like. In, the, in, in all this. So we can agree that getting rid of the shift is, is kind of stupid. Like, okay, I no. Don't, I, di- I completely disagree with that. Yeah, I don't like the shift at all, right? Personally, I don't like it. No, I like it. I mean, well, I, that, that's, not, that's not entirely correct. I'm, I'm having a problem verbalizing how I feel here. But I, my, my opinion on the shift is this. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're having a problem and you're not getting a base hit because you keep hitting into the shift... Learn how to hit away from the shift. Right. Problem solved. Right. You're pros. Right. And a lot of these guys are saying, well, you know, we, we just, we're, it's, it's so hard to overcome the shift. Joey Gallo was, a, was a, a, a saying the other day that he's not at all a fan of the shift. Well, what does he care? He only strikes out or hits home runs. Yeah. He doesn't even, yeah. it doesn't matter this much. So uh, they're, 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 what they're wanting to change here, the league-wide batting average, down to 243 uh, this past, or this season. Uh, that's the lowest since 1968. And they said the lack of singles in particular is at the heart of this decline. Right. Uh, with this year's rate of 5.35 singles per team, that's the fourth lowest in MLB history. Uh, and so when you look at the 2021, 2020, and 2019 seasons, they fill out th- the three spots ahead of this year on the all-time list. So they're saying the shift has been detrimental for small ball, basically. But- but it shouldn't have to be I because know. no one adjusted to it. And so literally you have one guy on one side of the field. All, again, one guy. All you have to do is hit it by him mm-hmm. or slap a bunt down. Adjust to the, ga- adjust to the game. All you ever, all, every it. hitter did was try and get it through the shift. That's yeah, and that's but that's why I like the shift. It's good strategy. It's part it's, of because they're always going to hit their. You have to make them hit in a you know go out of their comfort zone, but they're pros. They should be able to do that. See, and so I, I guess that's kind of what I was getting. And that the strategy of the shift, I, I love. Yeah, it's I think the impact of the shift that that because guys constantly hit into it. Yeah, it's frustrating. That's why I. That's why it's bothered me so much because. But so I guess it's less the shift that bothers me and more the lack of adjustment on the part of these professional baseball players. Exactly. Which bothers the hell out of me. They didn't adjust to it, and so the MLB is now banning it. So if the hitting team reaches base and runners advance on a ball hit under the, uh, the, the shift violation, the game will proceed without penalties. If the play has any other consequence, an out of sacrifice, uh, the hitting team can decide either to accept the penalty, which would uh, add one ball to the hitter's count, or decline it, and the play would stand. But essentially... Uh, you're you're looking here at let's see, uh, so all right, all four infielders have to be on the dirt, right? So the days of the four outfielder setup are over. Uh, even more pertinent, shifting an infielder to play short right or, or simply overshifting three infielders to the right right of uh, the second base bag, no longer legal. So basically, uh, you're going to have to have two players on each each opposite sides of second base. Yeah, they cannot shift beyond that. They can get as close as they possibly can. Right, but they can't second, shift past it. But they can't shift beyond it. To me, that just, I just don't understand why they're doing this now. I know the shift has gotten so much, much more popular lately. throughout the years, but that's because it's called strategy. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I, I was kind of shocked. I was watching an old uh, clip from 1999 because I follow this little Twitter site that or Twitter page that shows vintage highlights, and Stuart Scott was talking about the shift in 1999. And now we're talking 20 years later, 20 plus years later, and now all of a sudden it's a problem. Apparently so, so. I just, I'm frustrated. Apparently so. They, I, I just, ugh, I feel like Manfred just wants to ruin the sport. He just wants to make it a business. I, I bet you the only, I, I, you know, left-handed hitters are, you're probably going to find more left-handed hitters that like this rule change than, than righties. What, what's you probably find with, a lot of hitters that like the rule change, but I mean. I think left 
have we ever talked about the fact that I think left-handers have more of an advantage in baseball than right-handed hitters? Why is that? Because a lot of uh, stadiums have really short right field, uh, right fields, mm-hmm. like short lengths, especially like Yankee Stadium. What is it, three seventy-five or mm-hmm. something like that? A lot of the dimensions and ballparks, right field is really short. Yeah, in a lot of places. Well, I look at look at Fenway. You go down the right field line there at Pesky's Pole. It's less than three hundred yards. Or yeah, but you still got to get around it. No, not, that's the not tough necessarily. Part. Even if you don't get around the pole, uh, it's still less than three hundred feet. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, but still, like, so you you see what I'm saying? Yeah, here, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know, just a, that was a little side conversation. Uh, some some uh, pitchers actually appear to be on board with this this idea as well, which which surprises me. A I'm little sure. Bit. Uh, also, uh, this is probably the the rule change I dislike the most: the pitch clock. Which is funny because it's being touted as the most fan-friendly change in baseball. The last thing I want in baseball is a clock, period. I mean, and there's already a clock. Well, yeah. But, but I mean, it's not as effective as this would be. So pitchers are going to have 15 seconds to throw a pitch with the bases empty and 20 seconds if there are runners on base. Hitters will have to be in the box, eight seconds on the pitch clock. No, no, No less than eight seconds left on the pitch clock. Uh, and catchers, well, I think, will have to be set within t- by 10 seconds on the pitch clock. Mm-hmm. So if a pitcher hasn't started the motion to deliver a pitch before the expiration of the clock, he's going to be charged a ball. And if a batter delays entering the box, he'll be charged with a strike. I don't like these free balls and strikes things are given here. you got to earn that. Yeah, It's already hard enough to hit and to pitch. So now you're just going to give people on this stupid rule, pitch clock rule change? <laughs> Mixed reactions, even even from players on this one. Veteran relievers really, really worrying about getting rushed through their, these high leverage situations they're going to be brought into late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of young players, they're they're not as bothered by it because this has already been going on in the minors, minors for a while, so they're more yeah. used to it. Yeah, but again, it, it, it once again falls back down to strategy because you're talking about a pitcher who's taking his time and that th- that completely throws off the hitter. So and now you're completely taking that away. And like you said, if there's a stressful situation. And it's potentially a young player. Mm-hmm. They're going to panic, yeah, because they don't have a lot of time, and then they're going to keep giving up balls because because they keep going over the allotted time. Right. I just I don't I don't understand. I don't I don't. Now on that note, maybe eventually I'll, we'll get used to it, but at this at this juncture of time, it just I don't think it I'm going to get used to it. To I mean, well, I'll get used to it, but I don't think I'm ever going to like it. Yeah. Because I I'm from the old school where I'm I'm perfectly content spending five and a half hours at the ballpark. On a Saturday or Sunday, I, you know, yes, that, to me, you know, that is that is heaven right yeah. there. Uh, now there is a, there's a bit of a change here, kind of on the same note that I actually am okay with. Um, teams are going to be granted an extra mound visit, but only in the ninth inning, and only if they've exhausted their five allotted visits already. Uh, if a team okay. still has visits remaining, they don't get any extras for the ninth. But now I I had a hard time accepting the that change initially. With the, the the limitations on mound visits and the pitchings, you know, you've got to face X number of batters before mm-hmm. you can, you know, shift out another pitcher. Because I was always a fan of bringing in your reliever just to face that one guy you get out and Me then too. bring in a new guy. Yep. I understand the argument that it slows down the game. So be it. Yeah. It's baseball, right? Now you have a pitch clock, so it really shouldn't matter. Yeah, it shouldn't. Uh, and then this other change here, pickoffs. The pickoffs and step-offs, uh, are, they're uh, changing here. Uh, they're now considered one version of disengagements, which consists of any time the pitcher makes a, a pickoff attempt, fakes a pickoff, mm-hmm. right, steps off the rubber, uh, as well as uh, when the defense requests time. So pitchers are allowed two disengagements now per plate appearance. After a third step off, balk, unless uh, unless at least one offensive player advances a base. Huh. Okay. I guess. Uh, yeah. That's gonna be. That's gonna get real confusing. Yeah, I think so. That's gonna really frustrate some I pitchers. I think so. Uh, that they they can attempt the third pickoff, but if it's not success, so if it's if it's successful on that third time, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a balk. Mm-hmm. But if it's not successful, all all runners advance. <laughs> that's so stupid. I what I know, I just I, I I'm, I'm. What is baseball anymore? I am. Uh, baseball is. I guess it's outgrowing me. I don't know. I mean, I'm still gonna watch, but it's gonna be weird. And this all starts be... next year, right? Uh, yes, yes, it does. Yes, twenty-three. It, uh, it, it all starts next year, and it's well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, but it, absolutely, it's going to take me a long time. It's going to be frustrating. There's going to be a lot of frustrating moments with the umpires. Some new faces surging into the uh, power 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 rankings. Power, power rankings. rankings. We're back. We're all back right, the power rankings. Bring it on. Uh, and moving up to number one slot, Aaron Judge. No surprise there. Okay, fifty-five homers. Uh, before the All Star break, he uh, posted a lofty 983 OPS, 
And uh, entering yesterday, second half, OPS, 335 points higher than that. This guy's ridiculous. That's pretty good. Yeah, this guy that's pretty is good. absolutely ridiculous. Uh, number two on the list, Shohei Otani, not okay. ranked in the previous list. Uh, this guy's having a fantastic season, probably the AL MVP. Um, he's uh, coming on the heels of a nine stretch, a nine game stretch in which he slugged 868 with six homers. And by the way, he's got a 2.58 ERA and 23 starts on the mound. Jeez. That's why he's your AL MVP. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Even if Judge hits 60. Even if Judge hits 60. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's Otani's he's MVP doing, He's doing more, mm-hmm. even though his team is trash. Uh, some uh, uh, Dante Bichette's loin fruit. Bo Bichette <laughs> nice. is uh, number nice. three Good on nice. this list. Uh, not rated. Not had that really an electrifying, an electrifying season, but he's been scorching this month so far. 16 for 31, five homers, 14 rubies, seven Such games. A small human, too. Uh, he's tiny. He's got so much he's power. Guy. Uh, former Red Sox, current Dodger, Mookie Betts, number four, Mike Trout, uh, by the way, yeah, still good at baseball. Too bad it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. But uh, he's, uh, all he's done since uh, coming back from his injury on August 19th is bat 310 with eight homers, including a dinger in his, each of his past four games. He's gone like, deep in uh, 30 or more times in seven different seasons. Now. Yeah, that sounds like Mike Trout. Rounding out the list, Paul Goldschmidt, who was number one on the last list. He's now number six. He's still uh, in the running for NL Triple Crown, First, trying to secure the first NL Triple Crown since 1937. He hit another home run last mm-hmm. uh, uh, this week, but yeah, he's cooled off Cooled a bit. off a little bit, yeah. yeah. Uh, then uh, Xander Bogarts, Michael Harris II, Manny Machado, and Nathaniel Lowe rounding out. Hey, your, uh, how about them Texas Rangers list. got a guy in there? How about it? Good for them. Uh, <laughs> one more bit of uh, baseball news here real quick. Yankees, uh, I know your favorite guy, Derek Jeter. He's launched a trading card venture. Wow. Which I think is kind of cool here. Cool. Uh, he's entered in the world of sports collectibles in his retirement. 48-year-old uh, trading card has uh, launched a trading card platform called Arena Club, along with Brian Lee, who's the former chief executive officer, officer of Honest Company. A uh, company launched yesterday providing card collectors with online showrooms to buy, sell, and trade. And they've got a plan in place here to combat scanning, scamming. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried to sell any collectible sports memorabilia, but they're scammers come out of the woodworks. Uh, I have not, like but roaches, I believe that. Man. Yeah, like I roaches totally when the lights that. go off. Yep. Uh, so whenever a car is entered into this system, it's going to be graded and then sent to a vault owned by the company. And that way users can actually see proof the card exists and not have to worry about the promised uh, or, or wrong card or wrong value for mm-hmm. the card. Uh, Jeter says it's about clarity, speed, and trust. Great. And uh, they'll ship directly to the buyer. So, Thanks, Derek. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. you. I think that's pretty cool. Goose Fraba. I'm a, I'm Derek. a Goose Fraba. You remember that? No. Anger management? Oh, I, I saw that once years ago. Got to rub the earlobe? Goose That's Traba. right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen it. Uh, over to the NBA, we've got uh, a baker's dozen about to be enshrined into basketball immortality. Okay. Uh, it's the 22 class for the Naismith uh, ba- Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame announced back in April. 13 new members officially to be inducted tomorrow. And uh, this class includes NBA champs, WNBA champs, coaching greats, NCAA greats, more. Uh, and so just a quick rundown here. Swin Cash, uh, winner at all levels across the globe, earning mm-hmm. two NCAA titles with UConn, three N- uh, WNBA championships, two Olympic gold medals. Uh, Larry Costello, recognized posthumously uh, in the induction ceremony. Uh, he played uh, pretty big uh, games back in the 60s. Hugh Evans, 28-year referee between 1973 and 2001. More than 1,900 regular season games uh, and uh, on the floor for 35 NBA finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, just down I-35. The great Manu Ginobili, NBA, uh, one of the NBA's most decorated champs of this century. Key member of four winning titles down there in San Antonio. Uh, two all-star nods, two all-NBA third-team selections. Um, and uh, so he's also led uh, Argent, Argent, uh, <laughs> he led Argentina. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was drawing a blank there. Uh, to its only Olympic gold medal in men's basketball in 04, and then four years later helped him win a, a, a bronze. Nice. Tim Hardaway, Del Harris, uh, Lou Hudson. Uh, who uh, spent some time uh, playing uh, back in the uh, back in the sixties? Uh, yeah, in the sixties, and he'll be uh, inducted posthumously. Bob Huggins, NCAA Division One men's basketball head coach, thirty-seven seasons. George Carl, yep, who spent twenty-seven. See why seasons. I'm wearing my Sonic shirt today? Yes, indeed. I knew what today was. Twenty-seven seasons as head coach uh, for six franchises, including the Seattle SuperSonics. Yes, sir, most successful uh, run. Number six all time on wins list among NBA head coaches with 1,175 and number one on the list of men who look like John Lithgow. And number one in my heart. Number one in your heart. Amen. Uh, tell me he doesn't look like John Lithgow. Yeah. There's no, yeah, about it. A little it. bit. A little he bit. He looks more like John Lithgow than John Lithgow. <laughs> 
Okay. Radovaj uh, Koric. I'm not sure I'm saying that. A Yugoslavian, uh, first U- U- Yugoslavian basketball I'm going to assume stars. you're right. Uh, back, he played back in the 60s. Died at a uh, young age at age 30, at 1969. Uh, rounding it out, we have uh, Teresa, Teresa Shank-Grintz, uh, one of the first dominant players in collegiate women's basketball. Marion Stanley, coach for 45 seasons, uh, collegiate and WNBA level. And then Lindsey Whalen. Another women's basketball champion who earned hardware on the WNBA and international stages. So congratulations to them. Congrats indeed. 13 people going to be enshrined into uh, NBA, one NBA day, immortality. One day I will care about the NBA again. Uh, one day. Real quick note out of Live Golf as we're uh, up against the clock here. Uh, more drama. More high school whiny Shocking. crap, mm-hmm. basically. Now what happened? Uh, so on August 31st, uh, DP World Tour asked Live Golf members not to wear anything Live-related on uh, on their on their apparel during this uh, BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth. Mm-hmm. Clearly not everybody heard because uh, Ian, sure. Ian Poulter made headlines this week in Surrey after being captured on video. Of course, he was arguing with uh, Billy Horschel. Unclear what they were arguing about, but during yesterday's first round, he wore a Majestics logo on his sleeve. Mm. Appears to be the only one who went again the DP World Tour's uh, wishes. But his quote, this is a business I own a part of, and I got a right to wear it. And I think I agree with that. I do, too. Tied for 17th at the Live Golf Boston uh, last week with his team finished. Do your third. thing, Ian. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Wear it proudly. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I, 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 I support that. So, yeah. Uh, and then uh, just as uh, we're, we're uh, wrapping things up here, I thought I'd mention a quick story, local story here. Westlake. We, a, love, we another, love to talk Westlake. Another win they from win the last Westlake night? Chaparrales. Excellent. Uh, they scored pretty quick. They scored a whole lot. Moving on to a 56-6 route over Aikens in Class 6A District 26 play last night. They played okay. down at Tony Berger. Okay. Uh, they went up 28-0 in the first quarter. They were at 42-0 in the, at the half. Uh, 56-6 win. 43rd consecutive win for the Westlake Chaparrales. I'd say that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's pretty good indeed. I would say so indeed. I think we need to eventually, once we get uh, once we get our phones back working, get those guys on here. Yep. I think that that would, uh, that would be a mighty good idea. Yes. A mighty good idea. Well, that's going to do it for us on this Friday edition of the Bullpen, and we love spending this last hour with you. Yes, we do. Uh, don't forget, Thank kickoff so tomorrow at 11 a.m. as the Longhorns look to shock the world. Hook up, baby. Alabama Crimson Tide and... Forget, if you want to be a part of uh, ESPN's College Game Day, get there at 4 a.m. Oh, or don't. Yeah, they'll you still, won't find me there. They'll but still be there if you got there at 7. I know there'll me. be plenty of people Trust there. Me. They'll be there overnight. So uh, Lee, Lee Corso, though, uh, don't expect him to put on the Bevo. He's going to be putting on the elephant. And why are they elephants anyway? I have no idea, dude. I really do not know. That doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, we'll see you. See you.